The Life, Love, and Leadership podcast is a presentation of Marissa Q. Payne International, Dr. James Payne Speaks, and the Foundation for Successful Marriages with Rare Gem Productions. Learn more at SuccessfulMarriages.org. And here are your hosts, the doctor and the missus, Marissa Q. Payne and Dr. James Payne. Welcome back to Life, Love, and Leadership with Dr. James and Marissa Q. Payne. I'm Marissa Q. Payne. And I'm Dr. James Payne, and we're delighted that you're with us for another episode of Life, Love, and Leadership. Listen, we have a hot topic today. We're talking about criticism, so this should be real, real interesting. Mm. Uh, but first, let, let's find out what's on your mind, sweetheart. What, what's on your mind? <laughs> what's on my mind? Yeah. Uh, what is on my mind? Um, I have been catching up on Essence Fest because mm. uh, somehow I missed that my shero Michelle Obama, was going to be there. So I was what? devastated about that. Um, but I have been catching it on YouTube. And um, I was actually surprised to discover that we actually have a lot in common mm. with the Obamas. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be real good. I know. Like, um, I don't know if you um, saw Well, you did. You saw or you heard when I was listening to it, right? Yep. Not necessarily that you watched it, but a couple of things like stood out to me. So number one, she was not originally impressed by Barack Obama. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? <laughs> Just like I was not impressed by you. So I thought that was hilarious. Wow, right? We wow. have that in common. Okay. Um, they've been married, I think she said 26 years. Mm -hmm. So basically two clicks ahead of us, two years ahead of us. She's been very open about the fact that they've been to marriage counseling. And one of the things I loved about the interview that she did with Gail King, she said, you know, we don't tell the truth about the work that it takes to be married. Wow. And I was just like, same, right? I yeah. feel the same way, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, I did hear the part she was talking about, uh, you know, people look at them and they think about the uh, fist bump and they think about relationship goals. <laughs> right. And they look at Barack and Michelle and they're like, you know, this is what the goal is. Right. Uh, but they have no idea in her own judgment, her own explanation of what that relationship is like and what they've had to do in terms of work to get it there. Yeah. And she said she felt a sense of duty, right, mm -hmm. to kind of share that it's not all glitz and glamour all the time that wow. marriages work. Something she said really struck me, too. She said, we've learned how to argue. Mm. And I was just like, OMG, fight of the week, <laughs> right? Like, we are the same people. All right, like, okay. I know how to pick a shero. You hear me? <laughs> like, she is my girl. <laughs> wow. I love that they are almost empty nesters. They're pretty much empty nesters. Like, we have so much in common. Mm. I think we should have them on the show. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So Barack and Michelle, if you're listening, uh, we would love to have you on Life, Love and Leadership. We think you could add great value to every point. You heard it here first. You heard you it hear here me? first. <laughs> yes. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was, um, you know, she talked about how he gets celebrated or he would be celebrated for changing a diaper. And it's like, oh, my gosh, he's such a great dad or what have you. And um, she, you know, meanwhile, has been like arranging daycare and scheduling doctor's appointments and handling the fevers and all of that stuff. And no one's like, oh, you know, great mom, like celebrating and applauding her. Mm. And it really 
really brought me back to one of the reasons I fell in love with Michelle Obama. I I will never, ever forget it. It was like a defining moment for me. Mm. And this was when he was still Senator Obama and they were on the Oprah Winfrey show Mm -hmm. when she was still having the Oprah Winfrey show. So that tells you, you know, how long ago this was. But Oprah was interviewing them and she went to Michelle and she was and I didn't know who they were really at the time. Mm -hmm. But she went to Michelle and she asked her, she was like, you know, what's it like to be with such a, you know, a powerful force, you know, of a man? And Michelle was like, well, you know, Oprah, I work too, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sure I was like in my laptop, just kind of listening in the background and like my ears perked up and I had to stand at attention and look at the, I was like, who is this woman? I remember that episode. (laughs) And I think the link, because Oprah perked up too. Her whole demeanor changed and it was crazy. And so Michelle was like, Oprah, you know, I have a job. Right. <laughs> She's like, I'm like, queen. Yes, queen. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's what's been on my mind. I have just been like relishing in Michelle Obama at Essence Fest, oh, wow. even though I'm several weeks late. But I didn't get the memo. I'm sad about it. But, you know, hopefully we'll have them on the show. Yeah, hopefully so. And, uh, you know, she has sold, I think, over 12 million uh, books yeah 12 uh, million becoming. copies yeah. and uh listen we'd love 40 to... languages translated wow. into 40 languages wow that's incredible i know how to pick a role model you hear me <laughs> yes wow that's incredible that's incredible <laughs> that's incredible but you know the the one thing and it, it's almost a little embarrassing to say but the first thing i noticed when i caught it on your computer screen was her hair her hair i had never seen her hair down like that <laughs> I was like, it's that Michelle. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're so precious. Yes. The hair yes. caught my attention. She natural. Yes. In all of her beauty and all of her glory, yes. which I love. I was like, Michelle Obama is like, she's a homegirl. <laughs> like, she's cool. <laughs> well, you, you and hair, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you all feel or what your partners are like, but do people like have trouble with their partners and their hair? Like, I don't necessarily do my hair based on your preferences, because if I did, I would still be like in a mushroom with my hair over my right eye and stacks on the side from basically what I looked like in high school. No, we evolved from that. You never like new you don't like any change like you never like my new hair whatever it is it takes a while to grow right and then when I then like when I change it you're like why did you change your hair I'm like you didn't like that hair (laughs) and I'm just it's so frustrating I'm just like I I can't with you and hair like so it doesn't surprise me that that's what you notice because it's different and so, of course, that's the first thing you noticed, that her hair was different. True it's, story. It's true okay. story. First thing I noticed. And then the second question was, do I like this? <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Who, you know, your hair is different, too. Oh, wow. OK, so you, you had to go there. I'm just saying. My, ha- my hair is missing. <laughs> <laughs> I think your hair is adorable. Well, thank you. That means you think my scalp is adorable. (laughs) Don't say that. It's adorable. I love it. We'll go with it. I love you. I love you too, baby. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the fight of the week. Um, So it's actually not 
too confrontational this week. This is more of a philosophical ongoing debate, I would say. Sure. So we've got three children. They're all young adults now. The younger two attended private school. All of the kids worked and we're suburbanites. So we didn't really have public transportation. Our city isn't really a big public transportation city anyway. And we're sort of outside of the public transportation line. So we really had to, you know, figure out a transportation option for them. And so we did that. We, we had what we call the kid car, which is basically the hand-me-down vehicle. Um, of ours, right? So it started with our minivan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. our youngest two basically drove a minivan for <laughs> much of their high school career until they had an accident and, and totaled it. Totaled a minivan. Thanks a lot. It was paid off. Yep. So that was the first kid car. And then basically when that got totaled, they inherited they got yep, your car. Um, well, I mean, Theoretically, it was an upgrade. <laughs> it was a, a great upgrade for them. Well, I mean, not paying anything for your vehicle. It was a Cadillac to yes. Vandeville, 2004, though. And they, you know, drove it to it the wheels, fell to off. It was new to them. It was in good shape when they got it. Exactly. They did run it into the ground. I, mean, I say till the wheels fell off, literally. Literally. Because <laughs> it was like missing hubcaps. You know, we have to do a show on appreciating things because <laughs> I've never seen anything quite like that. Like, how do you, I showed up one day and like the whole front grill of the car was off. Gone. And I'm pulling in the room. I'm like, where is the grill <laughs> to the car? And don't nobody know and nothing. And don't nobody know nothing. <laughs> so they had that car really until it wouldn't pass inspection anymore. Mm-hmm. Now they're both in college. And so we were kind of faced with what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, we had to buy a car, which yep. we weren't happy about. We actually learned from our oldest, who, when he graduated from college, purchased a used Honda Accord, and that has treated him pretty well. So, um, we took a note from his playbook and and bought them a used Honda. Recently, because they're home for the summer, we pull up, and the Honda is um, Near almost flat. flat. Near flat. Yeah. And, um, you know, so you notice it, tell them to go get air in the tire. Of course, the tire turns out has a nail in it, can't be repaired. Now we need a new tire. And so you decide that they have to pay for or actually that our daughter has to pay for it, who's the rising senior. And she negotiates, as she always does, that she feels like she shouldn't have to do it by herself, that her brother, who's the rising sophomore, should also have to pay. Mm-hmm. Now, rising sophomore is not working. That's a whole other episode. Um, not currently working this summer because whatever um, or hadn't started his job yet. And so he really has no income coming in yet. But she felt like it was unfair for her to have to pay for it herself. And his issue, although it's it's technically the kid car, uh, he doesn't necessarily drive it. Yeah, he drives uh, my car most of the time. Yeah, he'll drive one of our cars. And so, you know, he didn't necessarily feel it was fair for him to be included in that. Right. And so I didn't necessarily disagree that they should pay for the tire. I just know that realistically speaking, one, he doesn't have the money. So why are we having this conversation? Because he don't have any money. And two, if we make her pay for the tire, she won't have any money left anyway. And then we're just going to have to pay for something else. So it wasn't that I didn't agree. I was just like, what's the point? Like, go on and pay for the stupid tire. Like, we make them pay for tickets if they get a ticket or what have you. 
but you wanted them to pay again. It wasn't that I didn't think they should have to pay. Mm -hmm. I just felt like it was a waste yeah. of time to go through that. Yeah. And philosophically, from my standpoint, obviously, I have a rising senior in college and a rising sophomore. Uh, and I, I'm wanting them to kind of begin to take the reins a little bit yeah. uh, for uh, being responsible for uh, uh, things and kind of get a, a sense for what that cost looks like in real time. So I, I had it all worked out. So, <laughs> so, so the youngest was going to be starting uh, his two jobs in like a week. And so that would give him an opportunity to kind of earn some money to contribute to it. And so that was kind of the plan. Yeah. Uh, so what happened? Because I just basically tapped out. <laughs> the conversation i don't even know <laughs> yep 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 so initially um I, I got to the place i said okay well i want them to kind of feel this pinch a little bit and so i said okay i will pay uh half because when we took it in what we found was that the one tire had a nail in it but the other tire uh, the tread wear was so gone that the both front tires needed to be replaced oh, no. which put the total you know just near around 400 bucks or something like that so i okay. said okay uh, I'll pay half. And, and, you know, I felt pretty good about that because they had some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, then I, I, I circle back around and I say, well, I'm, I'm kind of I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, uh, allowing her to kind of save. So she has some money. That's less money I have to send her in the fall exactly. when she returns to college. Uh, and so I, I kind of circle back and you may recall I called and asked you, I said, well, you know, this is what I'm thinking, but I, I, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to influence my judgment a little bit. And well, that was before the whole because I didn't know about this two tire. You know, you asked me what I thought and I was like, I don't think it's worth it. Right. This was the this was this was the second time. OK. Yeah. So we talked about it initially, but then right. I circled back to ask a different question. Oh, which was what? This is what I'm <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that. Um, we're going to do half or I'm going to do half. Um, and you know, kind of, what do you think about that? I promise this is the first time I'm hearing that. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. <laughs> but okay. You, you know what? And, and so what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> the memory is the first thing to go, ladies and gentlemen. The memory is the first thing to go. I'm so curious. <laughs> and so your response was just, you know, no, I really think oh. that we should uh, just go ahead and do it. Again, it's going to be one less thing we have to pay for uh, in the fall. That which, sounds like something I might say. You know, when I, when I uh, settled in and processed it a little bit more, you know, I say, yeah, that's true. It's one less thing, you know, we'll have to pay for in the fall if we just do damage control here. I got so. you. I think I didn't have my listening ears on because I... I like the idea of them paying half, like $100 a piece. I think that would have been a good idea. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been. That's, so that's, that's a really an interesting point because you just said you didn't have your listening ears on, yet you had your speaking mouth going. Oh. Ooh. So you are speaking, but you're not listening. Oh, my God. We got to do a show on that. Cut the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, this one didn't end up being like knockdown drag out. Right. Thank goodness. But I would say we've had knockdown drag outs about parenting mm -hmm. for sure in the past. What do you think about that? Like, how do you get to a place where, you know, you're working as a partnership in parenting and not on opposite 
sides of the ring. Well, for me, it's recognizing I have a very, very strong opinion. And I believe firmly that what I think and feel is usually right. Uh, what I've learned over you know, nearly 25 years of marriage uh, is it's critical to let your partner influence you and, mm. and, and let them add a verse to your thinking because they, they add value. You marry somebody, ideally, and Michelle Obama spoke about this, uh, marrying your equal, marrying somebody you respect and marrying somebody mm. as strong as you. Mm. So if you marry within those three phases of marriage, then, you know, you might as well let them influence you because they bring value to the table. So you may be able to see things that I don't see in a scenario. That's interesting. Really, really um, interesting. I like that. Like, I feel like you're a different person on this podcast than who I get at home. I'm just like, who are you right now? <laughs> That's so awkward. I would have loved you as we were going through, um, you know, because I think that we struggled a lot with, um, you know, I think that, you know, there's conversation about, you know, um, how women, they spoil their sons and raise their daughters. Mm -hmm. um, love their sons and raise their daughters. Love their sons and raise their daughters. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that we're too easy on our sons and that sort of thing. And that you bring balance Correct. in that. I don't know. Do you think that played out in our parenting? No. I don't think so. Because no. I'm pretty tough. Yeah, I, I think. Um, no, I think. No, I take it back. I, I do think that played out to some degree. Uh, where you were uh, somewhat um, harder on uh, our daughter than you were on on the boys. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what they would say, because I, I feel like I was because I really as a social worker, I tried really hard to be fairly gender neutral in terms of how I treated them for mm -hmm. the most part. Um, and I definitely had high expectations across the board. I feel like I was the, to some extent, I feel like I was the disciplinarian and you were the fun guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So like, I felt like I was always the bad guy most of the time. And like, if I really needed hard reinforcement, I would, I would yeah, come to I, you. I would bring the hard reinforcement. Part. For the most part, I tried to uh, really, really, you know, engage my kids in a fun, interactive way. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think the kids would call me. Well, I know they call me critical. Yes. Um, you know, because I I was tough. I'm a tough cookie. Yeah, and I, yeah, I was tough when I needed to be tough. Yeah. But for the most part, I I didn't make tough normative. You know, for them. I know, and that's not fair. <laughs> Which is why I'm like, who are you right hey, now? Good, I don't even know you. <laughs> good cop, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop. Come on. Um. So yeah, I think. It, you know, balances, um, you know, and and as always, communication. I don't think we ever really talked about it. It's just kind of how it landed. But I, I think that that's what would cause tension maybe um, in the relationship. If there was going to be a fight, it would be because we were maybe I was frustrated that I was, you know, being a disciplinarian or maybe you weren't being involved enough or. Um, you had an opinion all of a sudden, but you hadn't been involved in like the decisions leading up to or something like that. And I think our styles are different, Definitely. too. Uh, you know, you have a tendency to say a lot. <laughs> um, I, my tendency is not to necessarily speak often. True. But when I speak, it, it's poignant and I, I mean what I say. True. Uh, and so my tendency is to process, go in my cave, process. And when I come out with. Uh, what I want to say, bring that to bear. 
Uh, whereas you, you process by speaking, I think. So I just think our styles are a little different. Yeah, I agree. In the case of the tire, you know, we weren't too far off, um, which is great. There's been times where we were and mm. sometimes the kids, they can smell <laughs> fear. They can yeah. smell discontent. They know because we have those different styles, they know who to go to for what. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, ultimately we have to stay together as a team so that we are parenting Right. And that we don't allow them to manipulate the system. You know, I think once we kind of began to learn the nuances, because just like we know the nuances, they definitely pick up on the nuances. They picked up on them before we did. And so I think what really helped us is that once we kind of knew that ultimately it's us against them. Exactly. At the end, and uh, we started working together mm-hmm. um, and communicating with each other, you know, and saying, hey, what did your mom say? Or what did your dad say? Yep. And talking through it, like you said, you called me for reinforcement or a different perspective. I think that's how we got in partnership and ultimately doing the best we can. And, yeah. you know, the jury's still out in terms of how they'll wind up. But right. Lord knows we tried. Lord knows we tried. So kind of speaking about the uh, tire, uh, you kind of mentioned that you were uh, you didn't necessarily have your listening ears on, but that you were speaking and kind of offering some feedback um, without necessarily hearing exactly what was taking place. Uh, and I think in a lot of cases that can lead to criticism uh, and uh, we can become critical of our uh, spouses, and our mates and relationships. And uh, criticism is one of the most deadliest things you can have. Uh, in a relationship because it's about being critical of a person. It, it, it's, it's focusing a uh, negative response to a person uh, instead of working objectively to look at a situation and express perhaps what you didn't like about the situation or what bothered you about the situation, but it's directing all of your energy and attention uh, and negative response feedback toward that person. Yeah, it's like one of the four deadly horsemen mm-hmm. um, from research, um, Gottman, Gottman's research about um, marriage. And um, he's sort of a researcher that predicts the success of marriage. And there are four um, kind of behaviors or um, attributes that can predict whether a marriage is going to make it or not or predict divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and criticism is is one of those four. Um, and it's. It's big. It's real big. I know in our relationship, and it took me a long time to kind of work through this criticism piece. Oh, uh, you work? Did you work through it? <laughs> yes, I've worked through it. Thank oh, you very much. Are you working through it? I have worked and I'm working oh, through okay, it. Oh, okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so you're always working to stay on top of, criti- <laughs> <laughs> of criticism. Uh, but one of one of the things I was uh, fairly critical of is my wife and I are very different in terms of uh, things and, and kind of how we value things. And so she would say often that perhaps I coveted things because like if I have something really nice, I take extreme good care of it and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm always attentive to, you know, taking care of its needs and making sure it, it's up to top notch. Um, look, um, I'm taking deep breaths <laughs> right now. My wife, on the other <laughs> hand, <laughs> I would I used to characterize her as uh, someone who was negligent toward uh, nice things. And 
So I'm the opposite of the furniture store that has the slogan, you like nice things. I'm negligent of nice things is what you're saying. Okay. (laughs) And so one of the criticisms that I used to rail against my wife, and and mind you, let me set it up right. Uh, So we had just bought this uh, nice SUV, uh, probably had the thing for maybe six, eight months. And uh, she was, was, was backing out of the driveway. Uh, and uh, in maneuvering the car, uh, she found the trash can in her way. And so rather than uh, moving the trash can, she used the truck to move the trash can. And then like a week later, we're looking we're like, wow, where did this dent come from? And she's like, oh, that must have happened when I moved the <laughs> trash can with the truck. And I'm like, What? are you talking about (laughs) who moves a trash can with a brand new truck? (laughs) But for her, you know, it's, it's a utilitarian vehicle. It's for a purpose to move around. If something needs to be moved in the interim while she's driving, that just needs to happen. It's not for look or show or anything like that because she doesn't covet things. And so we had this whole big thing about, you know, that. Uh, and so, yeah, what, what do you say to that? Where are you going with this story? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to um, the fact that I labeled you uh, as someone who was negligent of nice things. OK, and that was my criticism to you. More dialogue led to understanding you're not necessarily negligent of nice things. You just look at them differently than I do. Oh, I'm supposed to say something now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Okay, so first of all, I did not know that. I think that's a terrible example um, for talking about criticism. Like, but um, since that's the one you use, that's the one I'll talk about. I have more. I <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, in, like you said, it's a it's a utility vehicle. So, and this is like the little in my mind, the little plastic trash bin thing. So I'm just but it it's fought got, back though. It fought back. It's got a bumper. I'm just thinking, I'm like, no big deal. I'm just pushing it out the way and I'm on my way. I did not know that it was actually, I had no idea. And, you know, technically we still don't know. I mean, maybe somebody hit me and that's where it happened. I just I'm like, oh, maybe that's what happened, but we really don't know because nobody got out and looked at the time. So it could have it could have been something else. Yeah. And so I think as we consider criticism in this scenario, the cousins to criticism, uh, judgment and expectation uh, kind of showed up as well, because I made a judgment uh, of you that, mm-hmm. you know, you intended uh, to damage the vehicle uh, by moving a trash can with the vehicle, which just didn't make any sense to me. Right. And then you attack me. As a result of it, you label me as irresponsible, as, you know, all of these things um, and obviously never let them go because we still talking about it. Mm, I don't know. Ten years later. That's show information. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, you know, the, the, the important thing is recognizing that not only did you not intend for the damage to occur, uh, but I, I put that judgment there that, you know, you, you intended for uh, something to occur wrong. And I had an expectation that if it were me, if you were doing things the right way, uh, you would get out, move the trash can. In your mind, 
you're thinking what if i just move it with the vehicle it's not going to cause damage and i'm quickly on my way yeah i wasn't thinking anything about it it was a you know a non-issue um and for like so like you said to you this is a new vehicle and you would never you know try to move something or trash can like that would never occur to you to me it's a vehicle a sport utility vehicle at that therefore moving stuff or like you know this is a you can get up on the sidewalk and you know ride oh like that's the whole purpose of it i'm like whoa we got a truck now yay i don't have to worry about have you ever seen a commercial where the truck moved the can i'm just curious probably <laughs> yes <laughs> but and i and i think that you know criticism on a day-to-day basis you know it's not usually as um dramatic as that i think it can be a lot subtler or a lot more subtle i should say when we kind of throw the little jabs um, or accusations at our partner and i think they can become like part of our couple culture mm-hmm. if we're not careful right you know where we're just saying, oh, you know, you're so, like I said, you're so irresponsible or you're so careless or you're so, you know, insert whatever it is that you say. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, there's nothing empowering or uplifting. The only thing that's doing is really dividing, right? Pulling your partner away from you. There's nothing about it that's drawing them to you. And really what you want to do in relationship is use language that endears your partner to you. And so how do you get away from verbally attacking the personality or the character of your partner? Um, and sometimes, you know, in all in all, within your defense, you know, I am. Let's see, what word would I use? Like, I am a little less. um you know, I, I lose stuff a lot (laughs) or, you know, I mean, I, I am, I wouldn't call it careless. I just am a little less, Mm -hmm. um, vigilant Mm -hmm. than you, you know, I think you are on the OCD side Mm -hmm. and you're (laughs) on the way on on the other side of the pendulum, you know, a little less, you know, I'm just not quite loosey goosey, but not too far from it. Like almost leaving your Mac in South America. (laughs) Like at the airport, like, like, but who does that on purpose? <laughs> I don't do it on purpose, but that's a great example, right? <laughs> that's a great example. So I was in Paraguay and going through airport transportation. It was actually my first time being international. So the people aren't necessarily speaking English. I was a little, you know, it's a little stress. It's a little tense. And I had multiple things in multiple baskets and I left my laptop. Um, when putting all my stuff back, I, I neglected to get my laptop out of the basket. And so when I got to, I think I, we were in um, Buenos Aires, I got into the airport security and went into my bag to pull my laptop out and realized that it wasn't there. And so went into this panic mode and, you know, started calling the airport and all of that, trying to figure out how to get my laptop. And so for you, you're just like, oh, my gosh, how could you be so irresponsible? This is a fifteen hundred dollar computer system or what have you. Yeah, that's not helpful. (laughs) Right. And I didn't do it on purpose. Right. Like, so it's like that's a criticism Mm -hmm. and completely not helpful right now. Right. So how do you break criticism? How do you what's the what's the alternative to it? 
what I was saying is that in that situation, yes, I deserved it. I mean, I don't deserve the criticism, but I definitely did something that was less than ideal. But I certainly don't need more people attacking me for it. I feel bad enough as it is. And so I always say, is there something that you need in the situation? Does it affect you? And if so, that's what you want to advocate for. And that's what you want to say, right? So you want to talk about your feelings using I statements and you want to express your need from a positive vantage point. Mm. In the case of the laptop, for example, it wasn't your laptop necessarily. And so I don't know that necessarily affected you. So really in that scenario, what I needed from you was compassion sure, um, and empathy, not necessarily criticism. Right. But let's say it was your laptop, you Which know, would I never mean, happen. But of course, for grins, let's just throw it out. There. Well, let's say I used you. Are you saying you wouldn't let me take your laptop? I'm saying let's say I had your laptop with me. Oh, no. <laughs> But let's say it was yours. So (laughs) rather than saying, oh, my God, I can't believe you, you so irresponsible, et cetera, et cetera, and say, ah, I'm frustrated. Can you do everything you can to get it back? If you can't, can you download from the cloud to see if we can recover the file or what have you? Like use I statements and express what you need from a positive perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, again, ultimately, you want to attack the problem. Not, not the, person. the person, not the person. And that is more endearing, mm. right? Because again, all criticism does is like take jabs. It's making withdrawals from your love bank. Yeah. And you want to make as many deposits as you possibly can. Yep. And yep. you do that over a long period of time and you find yourself in trouble. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So criticism, again, it's about attacking the person, doesn't address the issue. Uh, and it assumes a position of superiority. Mm. Um, and I think the third layer of that is it assumes negative intent mm. uh, and it, it assumes those things. And so when you make those assumptions uh, and throw those assumptions on your partner, you have to be careful uh, because nobody is intentionally looking to damage things. Nobody's intentionally looking to lose things or whatever the, the thing may be in your relationship uh, that you're critical about with your partner. Uh, it, it's not something that they are necessarily intending to do. So I think offering a thoughtful compassion to your partner and working to restore them is definitely the route to take. I just want to hear you say, can you just say all of that again? <laughs> I just want, I just feel we got so on, attracted we got to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, show over. We out. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. <laughs> Yeah, so we can't actually leave just yet because we have um, a question from a listener, which is actually quite appropriate for where we are right now. Mm. The question is, with everything that you have going on, and I know that you guys are busy, how do you keep your marriage spicy? Mm. Great question. I think, you know, the way we work to keep it spicy is we're intentional about relationship, but we're intentional about spending time together. Uh, We're intentional uh, about, you know, just shutting off uh, and building boundaries around work and uh, relationship does not sound spicy. Relationship doesn't sound spicy. (laughs) But go ahead. I'm sorry. We're intentional. We're intentional uh, just about finding time to be uh, husband and wife, finding time to be boyfriend, girlfriend, finding time to be lovers, finding time to be 
tourists and just you know mm-hmm. exploring the world. And so just being intentional about the time you spend with your spouse and making sure that you have a cutoff switch. Uh, I always process it from the standpoint of who's going to be on the front row of my funeral. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's who gets the bulk of my time and attention. And nobody's going to be at the, the front row of my funeral talking about something, you know, he grew the business by 30 uh, percent. But, you know, it's, it's going to be the story and the love that we share that will be recounted and, and thought about. So that's how we process it, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that we prioritize each other. Um, and we prioritize our quality time mm-hmm. as much as we possibly can. I have a personal motto, work hard, play hard, mm. you know, and so I am intentional about planning vacation and time away because a lot of times we don't necessarily get to let our hair down until we can get away. And getaway doesn't always necessarily mean, you know, traveling for, you know, we we do quite a bit of travel now, but we haven't always had that luxury, but we definitely like I'm fanatical about the calendar mm. and I coordinate with his calendar and I make sure he knows, OK, we're doing this on this date. I'm coming off of a pretty busy season where I've been like really in the zone, the work zone. And now that kind of period is lifted, I can already tell that the spontaneity in our relationship is better and I've actually been cooking more and the uh, sex life has been better. Like it's, it's just better. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and so you definitely have seasons where it's busy, but you're intentional about paying attention to not letting that time go too far and mm-hmm. just making sure that you're doing the stuff that matters. You know, mm-hmm. I know my husband's love language. And so I'm intentional about, making sure that I affirm him and connect with him throughout the day in ways that make a difference for him. And so I think loving your partner the way they need to be loved buys you time. Mm -hmm. Like it stretches the time, Mm -hmm. you know, if his love language is quality time and you're buying him gifts, then that's not going to necessarily connect with him. So you have to do quality time. But if they're, you know, if the love language is gifts, then you can get them an unexpected gift and that will buy you some time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really just about prioritization mm-hmm. and making sure you're intentional about it and making sure when you do have the time, it's quality. Right. And mm-hmm. quality is based on what brings them joy. I couldn't agree with you more. So I think what I heard you say um, is it's about giving them what they want, what they need. Right. Uh, it, it's the lesson we get every time we go to a store and you give somebody a hundred dollar bill, they ask you kind of how you want your change back. Mm. And so we want to do the same thing in relationship. Uh, how do you want it back? What, what do you need from me in order for this uh, to work well for you? Uh, and so being intentional about that. And then I think the second thing that comes to mind for me is just recognizing that marriage it, relationship, it, it, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And so there are going to be some seasons where, you know, she's going to be extremely busy working on a project. There are going to be seasons I'm extremely busy working on a project. But we understand that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we don't lose ourselves over seasonal things because we know ultimately we're in it for the long haul. Right. And check in. I think check ins are important, too. Like I could ask him, is your marriage spicy right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's not, what can I do to make it better? Right. Don't make assumptions like check in and ask them. That's like critical and important. And then you'll know and you don't have to assume. Yeah. And I think recognizing that 
uh, your level of spicy may not be 50 shades of gray. It may be something different. So it's about what works for that relationship, whatever is spicy in your relationship, do that. Don't look external to try to find what your spicy should be. Uh, But major in your mate, like you go to school and you major in a subject, major in your mate to understand what is spicy in your relationship and do that. Right. Not what you see on TV. Yes. What works in your house. Absolutely. All right. So I think with that, we are going to call that a show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are a new podcast. So if you are enjoying it, please do us a favor and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And don't keep us to yourself. Help us spread the word. Share new episodes we have each week. You can use the hashtag L3 Podcast or Life, Love and Leadership and give us a shout out. Share it with three, four, five of your friends. Make sure you subscribe and submit your questions to SuccessfulMarriages.org. We look forward to talking with you next week. See you guys next week. This is Life, Love, and Leadership. The Life, Love, and Leadership podcast is a presentation of Marissa Q. Payne International, Dr. James Payne Speaks, and the Foundation for Successful Marriages. Connect with us. Find us and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to learn more about our guests, show notes, services, events, or to get involved. Visit SuccessfulMarriages.org. Life, Love, and Leadership is another positive production of Rare Gem Productions. Thanks for listening.